they want me to get rid of my dog. Can they do that? I'm being fined for leaving my garage door open too long. What are covenants? Do I have any rights? Help, I feel like I've left the American zone. If you want the answers to those questions, join me, Shoe Bartholomew, and my guests on The Commons every Saturday from 2 to 3 right here on WBR Fairfax Radio. We'll ask the experts and we'll untangle the truth about what's left of our property rights. On the Commons is a weekly radio show dedicated to discussing the many issues surrounding mandatory membership homeowners associations. Join us as we explore this relatively new world of controlled living, which includes condominiums, cooperatives, and both attached and detached single-family homes. Living in a common ownership development means giving up the American dream. It means giving up your constitutional rights and control over your most valuable asset, your home. Living in a homeowners association means leaving the American zone. This is On the Commons, and I am Shu Bartholomew. <laughs> Radio Fairfax, joining me today... I have Deborah Goonan, and I think that this is the lady who was born with a silver keyboard in her hand because she seems to come up with daily blogs for her blog. And her blog is called Independent American Communities, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. But first, I want to thank Debbie for coming on. Thank you so much for joining us today, Deborah. Thank you, Sue. Thanks for having me on the show again. I always enjoy talking to you, and... Um, you know, about all these fun, fun, fun issues going on in HOA land. For those of you who don't know it, we just spent about 20 minutes <laughs> talking about the issues, and you didn't hear it. So, you know, we'll we'll get you clued in in a minute here. We'll get you going. So tell us a little bit about your blog. You've had a tremendous amount of success with it, and you seem to manage to come up with something every single day. Uh, yes, I'm, I've been doing the blog now for about a year, um, and I started off basically taking different news stories about HOA issues and posting them and writing some commentary on it, and then I started to add some of my own uh, original content, you know, kind of explaining things that it occurred to me that a lot of people didn't understand. Um, some readers don't understand that there's this, uh, some people view homeowners associations as a mini government, but they're really a corporation, and what does that mean? Um, and all about how special assessments come about and some of those basics. Um, and as the blog has evolved, <clears throat> I found out that uh, my readers are interested in, in five different core areas uh, Mostly they're interested in the stories that come up about corruption. So all of the stories that we have about embezzlement and, and theft and misappropriation, it seems like we're getting reports of this almost every day. Yeah. And every time that I post one of these um, one of these stories in one of my blogs, I get comments coming in from people, of, you know, from social media. Sometimes I get emails saying, well, you should see what's going on at my association. There's mm-hmm. this, that, the other thing. So there's a, there's a lot that's going on behind the scenes that doesn't get reported. Yeah. Um, well, I've but, always you know, maintained that what we hear is the tip of the iceberg because there's so many associations who 
are loath to talk about it because it's going to devalue property values, right? <laughs> I mean, right. They, they don't want right? to hang out their dirty laundry for everybody to see, so to speak. You know, it, 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 they're afraid that they're going to get a stigma. Um, and and the funny thing about that shoe is that before we had all these HOAs, and even now, if, if you live in a city or a town. And there's somebody, there's some kind of nonsense or crookedness comes up in your city government. It doesn't have the same effect, right? I mean, people will still buy in the city. They, they don't. There's no personal shame in it. It seems like when you're in one of these homeowners associations or a condo association, it's almost as if people take it personally um, when something happens with their board and they're out all this money and they don't want to reveal it. Uh, to the rest of the world because uh, not not only because they're afraid nobody will want to buy there but it's kind of like they're ashamed the, well there's the shame that's come along but they're also being governed by fear and the only mm-hmm. way you can control people is through fear first you scare the living daylights out of them then you promise to protect them then you own them and that's exactly what's happened in HOAs mm-hmm yeah, and but the funny thing is, I've seen an increasing number of reports coming across where the, those that are supposed to be protecting the homeowners, the management companies, mm-hmm. for example, they're the ones that are taking the money. Yeah, I, and I, I wrote I wrote a blog the other day. There was a report of a CPA who was working for the associate for several associations as an auditor. And I think she also worked for uh, some kind of a youth sports league. Well, they found out that she was stealing money from the youth sports league and from all of these HOAs. So now, you know, and this was somebody who was had a good reputation in the community. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, her name is Mud. Um, but these are the people who are supposed to be protecting the, you know, she was doing audits. Yeah. And... Yeah, it's, it's corrupt. It's such a corrupt system. It is right. so corrupt. I mean, for some reason, corruption seems to be huge nowadays. Yeah. Everywhere, everywhere you look. And um, the other things that they're interested in, um, HOA politics and public policy issues, um, rights, people are interested in their rights, especially with regard to fair housing, uh, foreclosure, eminent domain issues where people's homes are being taken for bogus reasons or fraudulent, uh, under fraudulent uh, processes, and First Amendment rights. Um, those are other hot, hot button issues. Um, there's some concern about affordability and cost because now you have so many of these associations that are, are aging, they're getting older. Um, they need expensive maintenance and repairs, and in many cases, there's not enough money in the coffers to do it. Uh, and people, they're used to ha- uh, that they only had to pay, you know, say $100 or $50 a month um, for their HOA fees or maybe 150 a month for their condo fees. And now, all of a sudden, they're getting hit with a special assessment for $30,000 or, you know, <laughs> their assessments are going to triple and if yeah. they can't pay it, then they've got a lien on their house. Yeah. And they're facing yeah. collections and foreclosure. Yeah. Um, that so is so unfair, isn't it? it? It is. I mean, you know, the people, they were, 
And the funny thing is, Sue, this mostly hits the, the uh, associations that were marketed as being affordable and carefree. Mm-hmm. So, so for you know, for retired people, for for working people, uh, you know, maybe for single women or single parents that you know they're living on a, a limited income. Your your school teachers, your police officers, people who aren't making that much money, but they have enough money supposedly to make a living. And they buy into this concept that, you know, they'll have this little place of their own that they can own and they can afford it. And, oh, somebody will even, in some cases, they'll even mow the grass for you. Uh, you know, they'll take care of all the exterior maintenance. But then they come to find out, you know, 15 to 30 years later down the line, depending on how old the, the building is when they buy into it or how old the townhouse is when they buy into it, you know, they come to find out, well, now it needs a new roof or the siding needs to be replaced or, you know, there's there's leaks. Uh, they're not energy efficient, you know, or sometimes the, you know, you get some people who are on the board that decide they just don't like the color of your house and they think that you need to paint it. So they're going to mandate that everybody paints their house. And so all of a sudden, people are getting hit with all these extra expenses that they weren't counting on, um, and they and they don't have a household budget where they have an extra five hundred dollars a month sitting around or an extra twenty thousand dollars sitting in the bank that they can just turn around and write a check to their association and say, "Okay, now do what you need to do." Yeah, I so. think that's I, yeah. When anytime you sort of throw your lot in with a bunch of strangers because you don't know who you're moving in with right you risk everything and that's something that's never really discussed and brought out to the satisfaction of housing consumers so people going in buying the american dream they want their own house they've got the money they're going to move into an affordable house but it comes with all this baggage and garbage that nobody says, hey, guess, guess what? You know, keep some money aside because you might get zapped. Right. Yeah, they they don't know they don't know it. And, and another issue is sometimes uh, people don't have the adequate amount of insurance. And then you have something that occurs, let's say that there's a fire that occurs or, you know, a natural disaster and there's flooding. Um and if the homeowner or the condo owner or the townhouse owner does not have adequate insurance, they, you know, they don't realize they have to cover what's inside and the association covers what's outside. And then, but the outside and the common areas, depending on the policy that the association has, there might be a huge deductible or they may have inadequate uh, insurance. This happens sometimes too. The board will skimp and one of the things that they'll skimp on is they'll cut back on the insurance. And then when something happens, they don't have enough money to fix what needs to be fixed, or they have this gigantic uh, deductible that they have to divide the cost of that deductible amongst all the owners. So and in in your in your blogs that you write about corruption, here's another one mm-hmm. for you to do some research into. Some insurance companies, some not so insurance companies, some management companies will take out one policy for several associations. 
So you take out a policy for a million dollars, right? And mm-hmm. you manage five associations or ten associations. So you tell all these associations that they have a million dollar policy. They're going to charge each one of those associations the premiums for the million dollar policy. There's mm-hmm. one million dollar policy. Each of these associations do not have a million dollar policy. Oh, really? There's one one policy. This is something that uh, Bill Davis uncovered and has talked about on here. So that's something that kind of goes in with the corruption. It goes in with the affordability. It goes in with, you know, a lot of the core issues that your readers are really interested in. It's something that's not really talked about. We've talked about it here, but it's not widely known, and it should be. It should be, yeah. And none of this is disclosed to anybody up no. front before you, before you buy. The board members um, don't know. The board members don't know. They rely on the manager. So the manager's collecting right. all of the premiums for, for the same policy. So, you know, if you've got 10 people on the policy or 10 associations, they're paying out one set of premiums but collecting 10 of them. So where's that money going? That's a very good question, Sue. I'm sure sure it's not going back to the homeowners. It's not going back to the homeowners. I mean, we talk about, oh, well, you took money out of our account. But we don't know until you start to try and claim on that insurance policy that you thought you had that you don't really have it. Right. And that's not something that's disclosed. It's not something that's discussed. It's not something that's known. But that is, according to Bill Davis, who did uncover all of that and who Mm -hmm. came on and talked about it, that is something that is also going on. It's another way that homeowners are being defrauded. Right, right. They're paying for insurance premiums, and then when when they need it, they don't have anything to, to show for it because they're not really buying what they thought they were buying. Well, but where's the money going? They're paying for it. Where's the money going? It's got to be going to. Uh-huh. It's got to be going to the manager, or uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah, it's the manager who's collecting it. It's the manager who's buying the policy. Unbelievable. You know, that's when a, few, a little while ago, when I said, when we were talking about corruption and embezzlement and all of that, and you said you thought that, you know, that we're not hearing everything. That's the tip of the iceberg. I told you it's the, what we're hearing and what we're seeing is the tip of the iceberg. Right. But there are so many other ways that people are stealing. It is unbelievable. Right. It is unbelievable. I have um, I had a conversation with one homeowner that was explaining to me that her um, she lives in a condominium, and the condominium needed supposedly needed repairs. They called in an engineer to do a review of the building. It was an older building, um, but the person who called in the engineer happened to be the manager, the mat from the management company. So the management mm-hmm. company calls in this engineer. This engineer says, "Well, you need, you know, a new facade. You need new windows. You need mm-hmm. whatever." And it adds up to, you know, a couple couple million dollars, and this is a relatively small association with less than 30 units in it. And so they decide that they're going to assess all of the owners to do these um, 
you know, to do all of this work. They go ahead and assess the owners to do the work. Some of the owners can't pay the assessment. Now, some of those owners have a lien on their home. They're facing foreclosure. In the meantime, uh, it comes to their attention that there's some money missing from from the accounts. And so they end up uh, getting, they end up hiring a new manager and they do some, uh, you know, an audit on it and they bring in, um, they, you know, the, the auditor says there's some problem there. It looks like there's money missing. So they press charges and they go ahead and uh, they send this uh, to the local uh, police department. They find it out that there's problems. They indict the manager and uh, one of the contractors and a management assistant. It goes through the whole process, and in the end, they end up with a plea deal where they're only paying back a, uh, just a, a small amount of what the homeowners contend is missing because, according to the criminal investigators, all that other information, all that other stuff that went on with the the collusion between the engineer and, you know, these contracts, that's not actual theft in their mind. It's they're not. Only, right. They're only, they're only looking at the actual, like, money that was written as checks to themselves or used for purposes that it wasn't supposed to be used for. But, you know, in the meantime, these owners are out, you know, a million and a half dollars, not $20,000. You know, so they're getting like maybe twenty or thirty thousand dollars restitution, but you know they're out a million and a half. And the only way that they can go after that is if they were to do. They're being told they have to do a civil suit. Isn't that wonderful? Go to court <laughs> yes, and prove exactly. it. You know, right. everything that we've been talking about so far has been the the small details. Mm-hmm. We're not looking. We haven't even started looking at the big picture. Right. Where this started, where we're going, where we're headed. I mean, these are all the results. It's like having a, the flu, and mm-hmm. and we're talking about some of the symptoms. Mm-hmm. And if you have a really bad case of the flu, and you manage to get something that stops your cough, you still have the aching body, you still have the fever, you still have the running nose, you still have the running eyes, you still feel miserable, you still, I mean, everything else is still there. Mm-hmm. All you've done is you've gotten rid of the cough. Mm-hmm. We ha- you haven't fixed anything. And that's what we seem to be doing in this country. We've got a cancer. We have right. got a huge cancer that's just really destroying millions of people. And we're tinkling around the edges with it. We're trying to fix this, and we're trying to fix that. But yet we just leave it like you just said. You know, we go after them for the checks that they wrote to themselves, but not the million and a half or the two million that they stole. I mean, you know, it it was a different form of theft, but they stole it, right? Right, right. But, you know, according to the law, it's it's, uh, counted. Because the law isn't the same for a private organization as it would be for your city government or your county government. So where are we headed in this country with this kind of a 
residential deal going on where you have to belong to one. I mean, you know, right. your choices are, are gone, basically. Yeah, you have a few pockets, but you might not need, you might not be able to live there. You might have to live someplace where you have a whole lot of these things, where they're mandated. Well, in fact, and there's actually documentation to prove that, true because the, the U.S. Census does what they call a survey of construction every couple of years. I think they do it annually, in fact. Oh, really? And the, yes. The last one that I, that I checked, um, I found out, according to the U.S. Census survey of construction, 73% of new homes built for sale were in an HOA. That does not include condominiums. Those are only homeowners associations. So three out of four, roughly three out of four new homes are in a homeowners association nationwide. And then they broke it down by region of the country. In the Northeast, 46% are in HOAs. In the Midwest, the percentage is 55. In the West, it's 73%. And in the South, it's 80%. So there are some regional differences. But, you know, you're looking at at least half to two-thirds uh, or, you know, up to four-fifths of home, new homes in any market are being built in an HOA. And as you said before, when you have uh, local local governments are basically mandating or pushing uh, the establishment of homeowners associations for all new construction. Um, now, what happens, you know, in another generation uh, will there be any non-HOA homes to buy if this trend is not reversed? Well, here's where I've always been concerned about the young kids. We're Some years ago, we got to the point where kids who were growing up and buying their first homes had never known anything but an HOA. Mm-hmm. For instance, our generation, we didn't grow up in HOAs. So we know right. what it's like to live in a free world. <laughs> yes. You know, that's not something that my daughter, your son, and our grandchildren's generations are going to know. They're going to believe that this is the normal way of living. They're going to believe that having their neighbor peek over their fence and find them because they've got too many rose bushes is normal. That's what scares me. Well, I'm not so sure I agree with you on that, Shu, because there's been an acknowledgement that uh, in one of CAI just put out some new white papers and new stuff, and one of the things that they acknowledge in, in one of them is that that millennials are more civic-minded, but they don't like, they distrust institutions. They distrust institutions. So that if they want to get people on uh, in the millennial generation to participate in boards and their communities, they're going to have to make it less governmental, this is their word, less governmental and more social. Um, <laughs> but then, in, in the same breath, in the next paragraph, uh, you know, the, the, the panel writes, well, I guess what we're going to have to do then is, since, since it's going to be so difficult to find enough competent board members, 
is we're going to have to consider hiring professional board members and making a corporate CEO slash president for associations. Okay, now who needs that? Exactly. I mean, it's completely outsourcing. You know, why don't why don't we just say, okay, well, we're not going to have, you know, we won't bother with a mayor or a city council or anything. Let's just have corporate business people come in and run all of our cities and towns. I mean, you know, this is seems to be the the general direction they want to take things. Um, But you know, uh, a place to live is not necessarily. a corporation. Do you want to live in a business? But, you know, I want to go back to your more social. Yes. There was a story <laughs> some years ago. I think, actually, I think it was a manager who told me that. That they discovered one of the associations that they managed to make it more social and more palatable to get people to run for the board, what they did was they hired a plane and they flew people out to another place where they went and had dinner in a really swanky um, restaurant and conducted the board meetings there. That's more sociable, isn't it? With people's money, though, with other people's money. But 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 it's not theft, right? They were doing business. Yeah. You know, so this whole thing, you know, we a while ago I said we've been dealing with the nitpicky little stuff, and this is more nitpicky little stuff. We've got to make it more palatable for the millennials because they don't trust us. You know, we had flower children. Mm-hmm. In our generation, my generation, right. I had um, I had Shelley Marshall who famously said she was a flower child and she used to stick daisies in cups, guns, which I absolutely <laughs> loved. But, you know, you'd never think that the flower children would ever grow up to be board members and would never end up in a situation like this. But it gets to the point where you need a house, you need some place to live. I mean, you can't live under the stars forever. You got to grow up at some point. The millennials right. are going to have to grow up. They don't trust corporations. They don't trust big government. Good for them, but they need to get involved and they need to turn it around. Right. But you can't say, "Oh well, we'll make it more social for them," because what does that mean? Does that mean that all board meetings are going to take place in some really upscale restaurant in another town? You going to Paris for a yeah. board meeting? You know, hey. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me. I mean, you know, basically, uh, you know, that's what they want to do. I guess they're going to try to make it more fun, but at the same time, you know, the industry is saying, well, we can't really trust normal, uh, regular homeowners to do this job, so leave it to us professionals. Well, you know, they're writing themselves. Uh, oh, they're expanding I, their. Yeah, I mean that's what. Yeah. That's what these organizations do. Any any organ any good organization, you're going to try to make sure that you increase business for your people. I I get that. Mm-hmm. I absolutely get that. But you're dealing with people's homes here. You don't right. need some outsider coming in and telling you what to do, how to live. That your garage door was open too long. Your dog's too fat. <laughs> You you know your your house numbers are whatever you've got the wrong color blinds in your windows. You've got to put those crappy 
pieces of plastic mullions back in the window, even though it's going to kill your child because it's going to protect property. I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah. is that really is that really necessary? Is it what we want? Isn't this supposed to be the freest country in the world? Is that what where we're headed with this? Well, it's supposed to be, but I, I hear from homeowners all the time, and I've heard from several of them that have immigrated here from another country, and they say to me, I immigrated to the U.S. because I wanted to have freedom, and I wanted to have the American dream. And what I'm finding out is that I'm not having it here. Here I am in my condominium association, and I feel like I'm being oppressed just like in my home country. Yeah. Um, so, And that really says something. And it's, it's ironic that the people who recognize it the most, in some cases, are folks who have come from a non-democratic government in, you know, in an earlier stage in their life. So they know what they're seeing. They know that they're seeing, uh, you know, dictatorships or authoritarianism when they when they see it because they've lived through it. They they recognize it, and unfortunately, that message is not getting to the bulk of the Americans. There's a handful of people, but most right. of them have got these blinders on. They're going through life thinking somebody's protecting them. Oh well, yeah, I know they're a little bit of a nuisance, but they're going to protect my property rights. No, they're not. <laughs> Wake up, America. They're not going to protect your property values or your rights or anything else. You're being duped. Well, when people find that out, too, is when they get involved in a forced termination and they have to sell sell out their unit for, you know, a fraction of, of what they paid for it to an investor that comes in. Um, or they find out when... You know, that they're getting foreclosed on because they had some minor violation and some dispute with their board who, you know, then applied their fine to their assessments and, you know, in the priority of payment scam. And then all of a sudden they're late on their assessments. Now they've added late fees. They've added, added interest. They've added collection costs. And the next thing you know, they're being threatened with a foreclosure. Yeah. Uh, that's when people start to realize it, but, you know, the, the problem is that the, their neighbors around them either don't know that this is going on, or if they do know that it's going on, they don't want to speak up, because then they're afraid they may become a target. They're afraid. People who are in the crosshairs of their HOA have told me that their neighbors have sent them messages, They've said, we support what you're doing, but we cannot stand up and say anything. So you've got the homeowner who's standing there alone because nobody else in the neighborhood has got the backbone to take on the board and and to take on the association. And that's a crying crying shame because if they did have the courage of their convictions, if they did stand up and say, hey, stop it, they might be able to make some changes, or they might find out that if they ever do find themselves in the crosshairs of their HOA, that they're not standing there alone. Maybe other people will say, hey, you came and stood with me, you came and fought with me, you were by my side, you had my back, I'm here for you. Right. 
I'm here for you, and I'm going to fight these people because what they're doing is wrong. Right. What they're doing is wrong. The Chicago Tribune had an article just recently on a bill, a proposal that's being put out for um, allowing homeowners to be able to deduct. Homeowners who earn $115,000 annually or less or 150000 on joint accounts or in joint mm-hmm. income to deduct part of their HOA fees. Or is it all? Yeah, their HOA up, fees, but not up to 50000 right? Up to 5000 Up to 5000 yeah. Up to $5,000 deduct- deduction. It's called Helping Our Middle Income Earners, the HOME Act. That's what they're calling it. Helping Our Middle Income Earners. You were um, interviewed for that article. You had some excellent points. You want to tell us a little bit about it? What yeah, you don't like yeah. it? Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> I'll tell you a little bit about it. Um, it. The the bill for people who want to follow it, the bill is HR forty six ninety six, and it has two Democratic representatives from California who are sponsoring the bill, Anna Eshoo and Mike Thompson from from California, with no Senate companion bill yet. Um, and what it's supposed to do is address the issues of double taxation. In other words, you know, you're, you're paying uh, taxes on your property, and that money is going to your municipality or your county uh, to pay for things like uh, roads, street lights, storm drainage, police and fire protection, all of these sorts of things, uh, sometimes in some cases garbage collection, but if you live in one of these HOA or condo communities, you're also paying an assessment. And part of your assessment is going to pay for some of these same services within your community. So uh, for a long time, for at least 20 years or so, there's been a little bit of a rumbling going around saying, well, you know, we're, we're being double taxed because we're paying for all these services that we're not getting um, from our municipality, um, but we're paying for that those services to be provided to other people in the municipality, plus we're paying, uh, you know, to have our trash picked up and our roads cleaned in our, through our assessments. Um, so that's where the impetus for, for this bill came. They, you know, there was uh, some folks from uh, Community Associations Institute that are supporting uh, Representative Eshoo and, and Mike Thompson, although they claim that they were not necessarily behind the bill, but they are supporting the bill. Um, as a way to, uh, as Don Bauman put it, address the financial unfairness situation. There's a couple of issues with that. If you look at the way that the bill is written, the bill actually says any any kind of assessment that benefits the property can be tax deductible. Says anything that will directly benefit the property can be tax deductible. Well, well how do you how do you define that? It says that a qualified assessment includes qualified homeowners assessments means regularly occurring mandatory financial assessment other than a special assessment 
paid by a taxpayer to a homeowner's association with respect to the taxpayer's principal residence, meaning that you can't be owning it as an investment property, and that directly benefit the taxpayer's principal residence and the obligation of which to pay arises from the taxpayer's mandatory and automatic membership in homeowners association. Now, if you take a look at what makes up your assessment, it depends on what kind of an association you live in. But sometimes part of your assessment includes your water bill or your, your sewer bill. It may include cable or internet services in some cases. It may include mowing the lawn in front of your house. Um, on your personal lot that you own for your townhouse. It, it may include a lot of things that normally would not be provided by a municipality. So is it fair to people who do not own a property, who do not own a home in a homeowner's association, that you would be able to deduct the full amount, amount of your assessments in that case? Or if you're paying for private roads or... Uh, amenities such as, you know, a private pool, why should that be tax deductible? So m the point that I was trying to make is that y y it's going to force a discussion, if this bill goes anywhere, it's going to force a discussion that will divide your assessments between assessments that are for what I call essential services and assessments that are for non-essential services. And it's also going to look at private versus public, because otherwise you can't have an equitable tax system. Do you follow? I, oh, absolutely, I follow. And I think that right now there is an inequality in the sense that people who live in an HOA are being double taxed for some of the municipal functions that they're paying property taxes for, and that's been an ongoing issue. But instead of fiddling around with the taxes, why don't we just stop doing that? Why don't we just stop paying property taxes? If we're stuck in an HOA, wouldn't it be more fair to stop paying property taxes if we have to pay the HOA? Or to stop paying the portion of the property taxes that has the overlap of service. Because part of your property taxes, of course, is still going to schools, maybe the live, the public library, and other things that are, are right. so, not covered by your HOA. So if you're paying for snow removal, if you're paying for road maintenance, if you're paying for street lights, if you're paying for all of these things and you're paying for them twice, right. then stop paying them to the, to the uh, government. And I warned the government. I said at one point, you know, homeowners are going to start saying, we don't need you. If you've privatized everything, if you if you keep shunting everything over onto the private sector, when we come to talk to you and you tell us to go and talk to the HOA, why do we need to keep paying you? What good are you? Do you realize you may be acting to end your reign? And the look on their faces was, oh, my God, we never thought <laughs> about it. But I think this is a great place to start. This is a wonderful starting point. You're absolutely right. correct. The way this is this bill is being proposed is not fair. But you know what? It's not fair to be double taxed either. So That's let's right. stop instead of taking it off our taxes, let's stop paying the municipal governments. And I know that there was a, a small amount of change in that direction in the state of New Jersey issue because in the state of New Jersey if you have, uh, like if you're paying for uh, trash pickup, 
and I believe snow plowing was the other was the other thing. If you're paying for those two things to your HOA, you can get like that portion of your property tax bill offset by that amount. So in other words, but that's what you know. It's a small step. And I, it's only happening in New Jersey, as far as I know. No, actually, in in uh, Massachusetts as well. And but Good. what's happening, or I, and I don't know how it works in in New Jersey. You're right. I do remember something about it, but I do know that I did do a show on this, or I did do an interview on what's happening in Massachusetts and. What they're doing is they're going to each little municipality. It's not statewide, mm-hmm. but they're going to each municipality, and this is the industry that's doing it, saying mm-hmm. it's not fair that we're paying you to have our t- uh, trash removed and we're having to pay a private company to come and remove our trash. Therefore, you're going to reimburse us for the amount of money that we spend on trash. So you're still paying your taxes. Then you're getting the associations getting reimbursed for that. But here's what else they did, Debbie. Mm -hmm. They signed an agreement that they would never ask for anything else. Who would never ask for anything else? That the homeowners would never ask for anything. I mean, this was done through... The through I I don't know I don't think it was CAI it may have been but it was done through the HOA attorneys who hmm. decided they were representing I I interviewed the attorney who was doing this and and mm-hmm. he you know they went to all of these small you know in the Northeast you have a lot of small small municipalities small towns right. small cities small counties whatever form the municipality is townships they go look it's not fair we're paying for this we're we're paying taxes for trash removal and we're having the trash removed. So you reimburse us. So mm-hmm. you pay your tra- taxes like right. you always do. Mm-hmm. The municipality reimburses the association for trash removal. And mm-hmm. in return, you have promised you will never ask for anything else. I, uh, do the know. homeowners actually see that reimbursement? No, of course not. I mean, if it goes into the association's coffers, it's not like they're getting a check back. It's not. They're still paying. No, it, they're still paying for it. I mean, they're still paying their 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 right. taxes. You know, it's it's such a complex and convoluted way of doing things. And why would you agree never to go back for something? That's crazy. That's it, just crazy. It's just giving up your rights. I mean, what kind of an attorney would write a contract with the government that? gives up the rights for the homeowners. An attorney who wants to, that <laughs> he is representing and looking out for the good of the of the homeowners, his clients. See, this is yeah. what we did. We went and we got this for you. So your assessments don't cover snow removal anymore or trash removal anymore. They, they might cover all kinds of other stuff, but we agreed not to ask for that. We'll never go back and ask for snow removal. We'll never go back and ask for street rep- you know none of that we're just we're just we're just happy with trash, yeah, so going back to the article, there were a lot of people who commented on this, and you were you were quoted and you had some really, really good points. Um, it was by Pamela McEwen, and it was in the Chicago Tribune, and I don't have the date here it's a couple of days ago, March eighteenth no. Yes, March 
No, that's not it. May, no, it's May, May 8th. That's yeah. right. So that's, that's something that was fairly new, but seems to be something in the water that makes people in Chicago particularly nasty. <laughs> I had, um, I, I went to one of the uh, CAI uh, law seminars, and there were a couple of attorneys from Chicago who gave a presentation. And I've talked about this on the show a number of times where they said that you, they, they never talk to the homeowners. They disregard the homeowners. Think of it as a family. The board is the board members are the parents. We talk to the parents. We ignore the homeowners. Mm. So here we go with another wonderful, amazingly intelligent Chicago area manager by the name of Carol Marcou. She's a community association manager at. At Chicago, Associate Chicago Land in Schaumburg. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She feels that owners receive enough benefits already. I'm going to quote her now. This mm-hmm. seems off base, she said. An association is a not for profit organization, and usually they spend what they collect. Yeah, on what? Private jets and Nice dinner's out? Sure they do, Carol. Sure they do. So it doesn't make sense to give an owner an additional write-off opportunity. The The association is saving the owner time and money since they don't need to mow their lawns or shovel the snow. I predict this bill will go nowhere. Carol, I predict that you will go nowhere as well. (laughs) Oh. Um, and, and <laughs> go on. I'm sorry, Deb. <laughs> well, and, and it's funny because she's uh, obviously uh, a CAI member and very active in Illinois in the Illinois chapter, and yet CAI came out with an official statement on their website in support of this bill. Well, so I find it I find it uh, interesting. I think she must live under a rock or something. Because uh, what she says is just sheer and utter nonsense. Well, first of all, I lived in an HOA where nobody mowed my lawn or shoveled my snow. Yeah, but you weren't scared of them either. So, <laughs> You know, th- this is the kind of mentality. And unfortunately, I mean, there. I, I have to say this. There are some really, really good managers, and they are members of CAI, and they hate CAI's guts, but you know, I won't say that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll we'll just we'll just bypass that. So, not everybody is horrible, but there right. are some who just give the whole industry a black eye. Mm-hmm. And last week we had Jose Pazos on, and I asked him why he was going after his colleagues, and he said because they're mucking up my industry. I don't want to be associated with them. Right. Carol Marcou is probably one of those people that you don't want to be associated with. Yeah, I I just don't understand. Uh, you know, I've heard I've heard some people give other arguments for why they think the bill is going nowhere, and one of the reasons is they say, well, you know, there's a lot of people that want to streamline the tax process and do away with a lot of these little deductions and just have sort of a flat tax. And this would just be adding another deduction for for some people, 
Um, so, you know, that, that I could understand. Uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, people have written to me and have commented on uh, where this has been posted that, well, this might help some homeowners. If the homeowner doesn't itemize on their tax return, they're not going to be able to take this tax deduction. So for a lot of seniors or people who own their home outright or don't earn that much money, um, it's not, they're not going to benefit from this deduction. So that's another fairness issue. And then there are some housing advocates that say, well, you know, there's a lot of people that can't afford to buy a home and they don't get these deductions that homeowners get. Why should homeowners get all these deductions and people who don't own a home don't get them? Um, so those are some of the arguments from, from the other side. Um, so I do think it's going to face an uphill battle, and I don't expect that it will go anywhere in an election year. Uh, but it's good that it's going to get some discussion going, too. That's what I think. Well, I think I think so, too, and I think it's something that's sort of been on the back burner and has been overlooked for such a long time. So this is great in that sense, and I love the fact that we are talking about it. And I love the fact that it gives us another opportunity to put these issues on the skyline. And I, I do thank you for the excellent points that you made in the article. I think that was they were really very, very good. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Um, so we've got about four and a half minutes left. You sent me, or you sent, I, I was one of the recipients, said something about what do you think of this. And there's um, a Lawrence Sabo, who's an attorney who has come up. He wants now associations to have lease addendums for people who rent out right. their, their condos or their units or their homes or whatever. And does anyone have any thoughts on that? And I wrote back and said, yep, a lot of them. <laughs> you know what? If you buy a home in an HOA, if you buy a unit in an HOA, I hate to call them a home, if you buy a unit in an HOA, you've got a contract with the HOA. The contract is between the homeowner and the HOA. Right. If you rent your unit out, the lease is a contract between you and your tenant. That's correct. You don't need a third party sticking their noses in there. What they want to do is they want to be able to take your rent income. Exactly. And they do that already in Florida and, uh, I don't know, there's, there's several states where it's absolutely legal by statute for the HOA to collect rent from your tenant if you're behind in your assessments for any reason. Um, now, here we go back to the same problem where what if you're having a dispute with your association over those assessment amounts or if there was a fine that was issued that you have a dispute about um, and now they're saying that you're behind in your rent, so you have no way to dispute it because they're just going to collect it from your tenant. You lose all of your ammunition. That's very true, um, and I think that you need. we need to ban fines and HOAs. I mean, I cannot think mm-hmm. of anything more repulsive than having neighbors fining neighbors for some alleged misdeed with no well, oversight, no adult supervision, no nothing. It's right for abuse, that's for sure. I, I mean, just think of the concept, Debbie. 
if I came and bought a house next to you, could I come and find you because I don't like the color of the roses you have in your front yard? I mean, what what is the thinking behind that? Are, are, have we gone totally nuts? Uh, I just wonder about it. I, I've, I've seen actual... Um, if you go to websites of some of these HOAs, and I, I often go and visit HOA websites, especially when there's a news story about them, because I want to see how they operate. Yeah, you, good luck finding out. <laughs> and and then what I'll find and what I'll find out is that somewhere on the management page they'll have a link where you can report a violation. Yeah. So they actually encourage homeowners to report violations. Yeah, You know, it's almost as if you're expecting, you know, how when you were in elementary school, you weren't supposed to be a tattletale, you shouldn't rat on somebody. Um, That's what it feels like, you know, like you're back in school and you're tattling on on, uh, somebody because, you know, they took your lollipop or something. Uh, It's just absurd. You have, in in my HOA, you have people, they, they, they ask for volunteers to be on to be on this committee, to walk around the neighborhood and inspect the homes to decide whether or not they're in violation. So along comes some happy Joe who looks up and he says, oh, I don't like the color of your curtains. I know they're on the inside, so you have to replace them. Or your shutters were closed and we couldn't see inside the house and they have to be open. There is nothing, (laughs) nothing that allows them to do that. But it's one person's and it may be the biggest fruitcake in the neighborhood it's Mm -hmm. one person's idea or opinion and this carries weight they have no authority to do that none whatsoever and then there are fines associated with that so as long as you're you haven't bought new curtains then you can get fined ten dollars a day and then we can foreclose to collect that fine even though you didn't have the authority to tell me what color my curtains were and you're right. taking the word of one nutcase who's walking around. And it's the, it's not the sane ones who accept these jobs, right? Not usually. Usually it's the people who usually it's the people who are control freaks or they're obsessive or, you know, meat freaks or um those, those are the people who are attracted to that kind of it. Who else wants to do that? Who wants to walk around with a clipboard noting people's violations we, or their cell phone I, taking pictures? I did that to make sure that they weren't going overboard years and years mm-hmm. and years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of us went around because we put a stop to a lot of it. We said, okay, where where does it say you can do that? Oh, well, you know, right here. No, it doesn't. That's not what it says. Learn English. Go back to school. Debbie, we're out of time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. I always have fun talking to you. Me too, Shu. Thank you very much. Please check out our website at onthecommons.us. On the Commons is produced by OTC Multimedia Productions. Well, I finally bought my dream home to enjoy retirement life. I've made new friends and buddies, lots of parties for my wife. It seemed that life was perfect, all my neighbors felt the same. 
Then along came death by CCRs. Life's over, I'm fair game. Those petty rules and regulations, it's enough to make you cry. They're full of woes, no pink flamingos, someone tell us why. Slick managers and lawyers slither close, but they won't tell. Why our dream home should remind us we bought a one-way ticket to hell. Now there's lots of open meetings close to justice for H.O. Those arrogant board members say what they want you to know. The CAI and ULI will help you lose it all. But I wouldn't sell that dream home yet, the writing's on the wall. Those petty rules and regulations, it's enough to make you cry. They're full of woes, no pink flamingos, someone tell us why. Slick managers and lawyers slither close, but they won't tell. Why our dream home should remind us, we bought a one-way ticket to hell. Well, we're not afraid or stupid, all your threats mean nothing here. Time marches on, soon you'll be gone, united we'll be there. So put your rules and CCRs up where the sun don't shine. And enjoy those precious golden years, stop messing around with mine. Those petty rules and regulations, it's enough to make you cry. They're full of woes, no pink flamingos, someone tell us why. Slick managers and lawyers slither close, but they won't tell. Why our dream home should remind us we bought a one-way ticket to hell. Why our dream home should remind us we bought a one-way ticket to hell.